Today we were doing a half hour yoga session to start the day and um, yoga or any sort of physical activity that puts you in your body is just a great moment to be inspired mm. and as I was doing yoga with Angelica via Claude Ensemble check that out on Eventbrite anyone if you're interested because it's fantastic um, but as I was doing the wake up morning yoga I got inspired for us to make a podcast have a conversation mm -hmm. together about the chapter that we've written in a book that was published last week on the 21st of April and the title of the book is Using Image and Narrative in Therapy for Trauma, Addiction and Recovery and it's edited by James D. West and published by Jessica Kingsley and and that's a bit of a milestone moment for us, isn't it, Dan? It is. It is. And it's really nice to be having a conversation with you again, Jane. <laughs> it's been a while since we've sat here um, with our little mics on and, and given ourselves a focus to have a conversation. And I love that you were inspired to do this. And thank you for your little placement of the book there. That's great. But I think as much as that, it's given me an opportunity this afternoon to go back to the origin of, of how we were invited to be part of that and something of the process that we went through individually, together and as a group of contributors to, to get to the point where it's been published. Yeah, and it's, um, I suppose, something that I feel that I want to say before we start just a little bit about what the book is, it's um, each chapter is written by a different contributor, as Dan has said, um, and as the title suggests, it's about the role that images and the role that stories play mm. um, in different kinds of therapy, working with people who have experienced trauma and or addiction. And... I kind of feel that we occupy, you know, when we're not therapists, many of the contributors to this book are mm. psychologists, psychiatrists, arts therapists, predominantly, I think, who um, are obviously working with images in therapy with people all the time. Arts, I would say, because there's drama uh, yeah, as well. That's so true. It's broad, broad, that's isn't true. It? And for you and I, and it's, and it's something that sometimes we say at the beginning of our workshops, is that we are not therapists and we are definitely not therapists. Um, we are performers and writers and directors and, and storytellers. Mm. Um, but sharing your story and working on your story, thinking about your story, shaping it and telling it, is undoubtedly therapeutic. And so, so that's where we sit in this book. In, it's not exactly the final, it's not the conclusion of the book, but it's in the final section, which is about recovery and community. So that's where our chapter sits. Yes, I remember James approaching us and us having exactly this conversation. James had sat in one of our workshops and said, I have this vision to, to bring a group of people together to write this book and would you contribute? And we were... Okay, James, first thing to say, which of course he knew we're not therapists and to be thrown into that group of people, it felt necessary for us to, I think, really kind of own 
our identity as who we were, not pretending to be therapists, not therapists in cheap's clothing, you know, in the work that we do, we experience it being therapeutic, but we're coming from this space. And James, I remember saying, absolutely, I want there to be a really broad church here. And, you know, just flicking through it again, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an animator in here um, and how there's all sorts of different approaches and um, perspectives on on this idea that's on the title. And so when James said it's that idea of community, I don't know about for you, Jane, I remember exactly where we were sitting. We were sitting in this um, restaurant uh, on, is it Essex Market up in Islington? Oh, we, yeah. We met James yeah. there. And I remember James saying something about this idea of community and thinking, ah, Right. Now, this I feel I do know something about. I do feel that my experience in theatre, I was going to say our, but I will only speak for myself and and you can chime in where you agree or disagree. But that idea of the collective communal story space that that is at the heart of theatre... I feel, oh yes, that's something I understand. I understand it sitting in an audience, I understand it standing on a stage, and I understand it as a theatre maker and a director who's kind of looking at it from the audience but has a perspective of what's happening on, in the space because you've created it. So I felt, oh yes, that communal experience, that idea of community around story, yeah. I think I've, I might have something to say there. Mm, you saying that has really made me think about how that sense of community and of belonging, whether, as you say, you know, whether I'm in a rehearsal room or on the stage or in an audience, is I think really part of a bit a big part of why theatre just pulled me in as a sixteen-year-old mm. because going to you know, youth theatre at Battersea Arts Centre, that's where I found a real sense of belonging and a sense of community and a place where where all stories could be valued and heard. And I've never really, you know, thought about it like that, but that that need that I think that I, I had for a sense of community and I found that in theatre and I find that now in the workshops that we that we run, that we take part in as narrative. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, the, the space of working with people on their stories in a room, sitting in a circle, is not a, is not a theatre space. We're not asking people to perform. We're not asking... Um, we're often not asking people to share their stories with any more than one or two other people. Particularly now we work online a lot. Um, being able to put people in breakout rooms uh, is a great way to create an intimate space to share a story. So there's nothing theatrical in our approach to storytelling, but I think where it, where it meets with theatre is the, the shared space mm, um, mm. that you all step into. It's interesting, you know, this last year... Um, things happening on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or different platforms, people creating events. Um, there's 
and and coming back to theatre, theatre being recorded and then and then streamed in some way. And of course, that 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 can be great. Uh, you and I have certainly have got to see some things we didn't see in a theatre. We get an experience of them, but we don't have the experience of showing up at. 26 minutes past seven and rushing and getting our program and nipping to the loo and finding our seat and bustling into a space with two, three, five, eight hundred other people. And then the lights go down and your heart may be starting to beat a little mm. bit faster with anticipation and something happening in a moment altogether that will never be the same again. Yeah, there'll be another performance the next day with the same words and the same people on the stage but it won't be the same moment in time. And I think that is something that happens when you come into um, any space where you share stories with somebody. It's happening in a shared moment in time. And it's, it's making me think about a bit in the book that just looking at our chapter again today, thinking about this, there's a brilliant bit at the end when Murray... Murray Nossel, who's one of Narrative's founders, um, and we went back and had a conversation with him, which we can talk about. There's a bit where Murray talks about story arresting time, the sharing Mm. of story like, and I'm so struck by that idea, I feel I've got to go and do something with that, make something with that, how the moment of sharing a story with somebody suspends time. I love that. Yeah, and... and when we do storytelling workshops with people, and, and I think this happens whether they're online or whether they're in person, actually, because I think that that is the power of sharing stories with a group of people, um, as happens in acting companies and how acting companies very quickly become a family, mm, you know, mm. after you know, hardly any time rehearsing together or performing together, that acting company mm. becomes a family. And... I feel like we experience exactly the same thing in our storytelling workshops and it completely comes to this thing of storytelling arrests time, it stops time so that a group of strangers can come together, can listen to one another, can share stories and, you know, by the end of the half day or by the end of the day or whatever, we experience over and over again how... People are, are knitted together and always want to, you know, share contact details and carry on the conversations because, because of how bonding, because of the ability of story to stop time. So what is a new relationship feels like a very old relationship because actually through a story you can go to a very deep place with somebody very rapidly. It's... You know, it it builds an intimacy between people. Um, I love that idea about stories stopping time. I find it very poetic and also just really practical because when Hmm. because when we listen, you know, I find, you know, we get this all the time when we work in organisations that that the people who are the sponsors of the workshop say it's amazing because. In most other trainings, we're really having to fight for people to not be checking their email or checking their phones. And actually, in this workshop, they, they just weren't. Mm. And it's because I, I, I think the listening to and the telling of, of your own stories um, 
means that people can show up in a different way. And then the lure of one's email just just goes, bloody hell, what's an email compared to somebody giving you a kind of slice of their experience, no mm. matter, you know, no matter what it is, actually. Yes, I, I really love that idea of the poetic and the practical. I mean, isn't that life, you know, that it, it made me think about so many things after you, you said that it's like left brain, right brain, or, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of kind of directions it sent me thinking about but isn't that great the poetic and the practical something that can be both those things and I think you know what you've suggested the I can't be distracted by my email in this moment because actually it feels such a privilege to be given this window into somebody else's life even if the person in speaking it feels this is inconsequential I'm telling them about making my breakfast this morning this is inconsequential to me um but actually it's a privilege to be shown it to, mm. to kind of witness somebody else's lived experience in whatever form mm. big moments small moments feels a real privilege to be taken into them and just and just as a reminder as we speak of the you know how we value our stories it's so easy to think me making my breakfast sharing that with you doesn't have value because it's inconsequential in my life. I do it every day in the same way or whatever. But actually, the, the transaction that is there in the dynamic of me telling and you listening, the trust that I give you, you give me to do that, to show you a bit of myself, albeit making my breakfast, makes something very, makes that moment very special, mm. makes that connection sacred in some way powerful so to come back to our chapter mm. when when we first approached it you know we we knew you know we don't work with stories in an academic way we work with people's stories in a very practical way mm. in a very embodied way mm. um and so in writing something um well i mean i can speak for me that i wanted the chapter to reflect who who I am, you know, as that person, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not an academic, I'm a performer and a mm. director and storyteller, as I've said. So, so we went, uh, I would say probably first of all, to thinking about the stories that we would tell, we were mm. really clear that first off, we wanted our chapter to have stories in it about what we do. Um, and also, we wanted to be talking about the power of listening to yeah. create community because you know in our work it's the listening that makes possible the telling of the story yes um so if we're talking about the power of narrative stories to create community then it starts with the listening yeah. and so i'm thinking about when we went to interview murray and murray was talking about the the narrative origin story him mm. being in the aids day program in 1994 and how what we experienced talking to Murray, and it's a story that I've heard him tell many times when I've been with him, uh, you know, as he's running workshops. Yes. And he will Different tell... Forms, you know, it and comes he, up. Yeah, and he will tell that story. And when you and I run workshops, we always tell that story because, you know, it's a way of telling this, this is who we are, this is where we come from. But in that conversation with Murray and in our listening of him... 
he had that experience of coming round and meeting the story in a different way and yes. having a, a different realization uh, about that story. And, and actually, as I read the chapter, I don't think that we include that explicitly in, you know, in, in our no. transcript. What we've taken is, is Murray's story. But what really happened was that Murray told us that story and halfway through kind of said, there's something that I've just noticed about this story that I'm, I'm noticing because I'm telling it to you. I'm, I'm speaking it into this particular listening. And we were, you know, that... that listening is a is a is a generative space and we were focusing how he told us the story as yeah. well we were really interested to explore the idea of community um and in relation to him working with this group of people in brooklyn in the early 90s who um were all suffering um with hiv and aids and were facing their deaths, I mean, the large proportion of them, if not all of them, died and were facing that in their near future. And that idea of the community that we had an inkling of from having heard the story, getting Murray to really explore that was fascinating. Because I remember him saying, just because these people came together every day, every week and they shared a diagnosis that does not make a community yeah. that did not make a community it was a group of people coexisting in the face of their illness and their death um but then as he broadens it out and starts to talk about how he he developed this story space within that within that um community within that AIDS day program that then he kind of stepped back a bit and their listening and their telling was the thing that enabled them to connect mm. as a community. Mm. Um, which was kind of, which was really powerful to hear. We'd never heard it. And it was, um, it was, as you say, it was like Mari was having that experience that, you know, we've, we talk about the multiplicity of stories that there's many perspectives on an experience and that over our lives, we can revisit a story again and it have a completely different meaning or the story mm. changes for us. Yeah, it can be inflected in a different way. And because mm. we were thinking about, OK, what's what's the power of listening and storytelling in relation to creating community in helping people um, to recover? Mm. You know, now in this case, those people were not recovering, but they, you know, like a shooting star before it burns out, discovered this immense thing that they could give to one another, which was the gift of their listening yes. and being witnessed in telling their story. You know, Murray says in the in the chapter, um, me telling my story in this moment is testament to my aliveness I yes. am alive you know I yes. I tell my story therefore I am kind of thing you know which is interesting <clears throat> it comes back to that arresting time thing it's not just um me telling my story shows I have lived because this is the story of my past yeah. it's I am here in this moment telling it to you and that shows me and all of you that I am alive in this moment 
owning my story and sharing it. This is kind of a, it's a powerful idea and is kind of subtle, a subtle, sophisticated idea for, for, for me to wrap my head around. I, I, I love that, that idea of time, you know, um, that feel... idea of past, present and future and... No, I just, I'm just noticing that's made me feel really emotional because, you know, those people, and he collected the stories, mm. and the stories were, you know, um, used for advocacy, you know, mm. taken to Albany, the state legislature, to be part of the movement that was changing laws for people with HIV and AIDS at that time. Um, but the idea that those people, who most of them would have, died sometime in the 1990s but their story is captured their aliveness mm. is mm. is captured on mm. on those tapes and you know and on a film that's on youtube somewhere we'll find the link and we'll yes. add it to this podcast because you know you can you can see them and that's um, you know i don't know finding that very yes. moving in this moment they were alive and they were alive in that moment of yeah it. yeah and some of them may be alive today. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, that thing, yes, you've, you've touched on Murray's experience um, coming round and, and, uh, and reflecting on that story in a new way. I think part of the whole process of being asked to write something, to articulate something, is always, for me, um, an interesting way to come round again to your own work, your own practice, your own passions, your own um, insights anew. You know, I, what I mean by that is when you and I started to sit down and, and write independently and together on this, it's an opportunity to stand back from what you do mm. and think, what is it that I do and why and why do I do it and why is it important and how can I share that and articulate that in a way that's coherent and meaningful and expresses my passion um, with it. And that's always a gift, I think, when you're invited to do that. And, you know, some of us have to do it regularly, whether you're, you know, writing job applications or proposals or, you know, having to articulate who you are in the world. That that space that it gave me in, in working on this to to step back and, as you've described, draw together some threads of our experience. Okay, my experience in theatre, what, what, what can I bring into this conversation that is going to sh shine a light on the work I do now? And then the experience with narrative and the methodology and how does that all sit under this umbrella of this idea of using image and narrative in, in, um, in the treatment of, uh, of trauma and addiction? It's it's just an interesting process. Yeah, to learn from learn about yourself. Well, uh, to kind of look at it and think, ah, oh, that's because sometimes we don't know what we know, and also I think day to day because you know we are very often you know whether we are working with a room full of individuals who might be working on their stories for all kinds of different reasons, or whether we work with a particular organisation who want to explore you know, doing something with a story, having mm. having a message or being on a mission, because we're very often thinking about the applications for what we do. Yeah. It it was 
it was really great to just come back and think, okay, that it, not not about applying it, but just like very, very purely, what what is this? If if I just want to think about, you know, what I think happens when people listen to one another, yeah, and how we can get better at listening to one another, and you know what what happens when I value my own story you know what does mm. what does that do for me and what does that do for the person who might be listening to my story who through me valuing my story gets to value their own story mm. um and so to see that you know because lots of our you know our examples and stories that we included in the chapter are about exactly that are are about what can telling your story give you what and 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 particularly i think about how we tell stories, our what happened storytelling methodology, what happens when you can look at your story with some objective distance, which is a process that you have to go through in order to to tell your story, when you can think about it as a series of images and and remember what happened and tell what happened gives you a con- completely different relationship to your story. Yes. And I think that there's something there where the poetic meets the practical and pragmatic and where the therapeutic meets a different kind of space of creation, I think, that that is familiar to you and I because of our background. Because the telling of your story is a moment in time from one minute to the next where you create a vessel to share something that's happened to you and you hand it over to somebody else. So that idea, and I think there's something really practical and pragmatic about that. When we, when we work, and we don't talk about this in the chapter, but I think it's, it's kind of key because it, in a sense, Murray touches on it because he talks about the, the one-to-one uh, therapeutic space between a, a therapist and a, and a client, the 50-minute container. Um, and when we work with stories, we always time boundary the storytelling. It's three minutes, it's four minutes, maybe five, but it's rarely more than that. And it becomes this moment in time when I'm sharing this story to you in this way. It's not the only time I'm ever going to tell this story. It's not the only way I can tell this story. It's not the only... Um, I, I'm not channeling the only kind of feelings that I might have about it, um, but it is what I'm sharing with you in this moment in time. And so there's something very practical and pragmatic about that. It's like, this is what I'm giving to you now. It's not an airy-fairy space I'm stepping into, and the what-happened methodology um, uh, is all about kind of letting go of some of the the baggage around the story and just have it be show, don't tell, take us there, show us what happened to mm. you and contain it, beginning, middle, end, thank you, story's over. That was a moment in time that you shared with us. And that uh, boundary, I think, makes it really safe to explore because you can't get lost in it. Mm. Um, you know, it's 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 not going to ramble. It's not going to extend. It's held. It's held in a boundaryed piece of listening, yes. which the listener commits to and the teller commits to. 
And as somebody who's aware of the therapeutic nature of sharing stories but is not a trained therapist, that time boundary is so crucial for me running a session Mm. and for the person telling the story. And when it's got to the end of that time boundary and we ring a bell, wherever the person is in the story, it's not rude or disrespectful to their story. It's just reminding them that it's a story that has a beginning, a middle and an end and you are contained by that. Mm. And you will get to the end of this story and you can think and reflect about it afterwards and you can hear other people's reflections if you want to, but the story happens between the beginning, the middle and the end and in, in, in that container. Yeah, I'm, I'm struck as you describe that because, uh, you know, Paul and Murray d- do have... Um, therapeutic therapeutic background so that's that's where that idea comes from in the work and and yet us with our creative background of being wired for the creative of course to put a boundary on something very often is where creativity happens because Mm. it gives you a framework within which then okay well if I've got three minutes to tell this story Mm -hmm then the creative part of me has to choose... Make some decisions, yeah. yeah. Make make some creative decisions. Which, what are the moments that are going to tell this story? So something that was designed with, uh, you know, uh, therapeutic means in mind mm. becomes something that also serves the creative power of working with, with your story. Yeah. yeah, you're making creative choices. Where am I going to begin it? Where am I going to finish it? What am I going to put in? What am I going to leave out? Which bit do I want to share with this listening? I think, just to, to close, um, I'm really excited to have this book in our hands now, in my hands now, because the, uh, the experience of the journey with James and with the other contributors was that we came together regularly in real space because we started it working on it you know over a year ago uh, in the year before so um that long ago um and we came together multiple times to share where we were going to come from um what our approach might be how we were thinking about writing it um what we had written what uh, draft stage and always being able to see what other people were writing about and i'm really excited now to go back and read everybody's final drafts as they appear in the book and you know see what Tony Gamage is uh, is talking about when he you know looks at animation um I've talked about you know frame by frame his chapter's called oh and or, yeah and there are contributors doing fantastically interesting work with all different kinds of people in different ways who are represented in the book. Dan, you've got the contents, pull out a, a Yeah, or, or Sarah Deco with Image and Narrative in a Changing World. And I remember Sarah talking about the relationship to the world and the environment and yeah. the changes that we're seeing around us. So there's so many little conversations and bits that uh, that um, are remind me of, of, of moments that... That, that came up in discussion when we were all sitting together yeah. um, that I'm very excited to kind of look at it as a whole and to invite some of these people to come in and have conversations with us because I'm not going to even try to talk about yeah. <laughs> I mean I have kind of tried to there but I'm not going to I'm not going to go any further than that because I think um, 
I want them to speak for themselves if they want to and come into a conversation with us. Yeah, so listeners do look out for this because we we will do something of a a series about the book where we'll take a particular chapter and a particular person and along with James West who edited the book just to, to talk about the whys and wherefores of each particular chapter in the way that we've talked about ours. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Thank you for listening.